0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm Claire, and I've been away for almost two years now um, in um, working with a Muslim people group there who um, don't have a church, and we have a heart to see a church start amongst them. Um, so that's what we've been, we've been kind of getting ready um, for for that to happen. <laughs> Over the last two years, we moved there, and um, we've been learning language, and Recruiting team members and starting water projects. Um, there's a couple of pi- uh, pictures um, on there. Oh no, you gave me a clicker. I'm so sorry. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, um, we've we've been starting water projects. Uh, there's a a big refugee community that's come over from a, a war that's been going on there for some time still kind of bumbling on um so the people group that we have a heart to see come to know jesus um they were particularly affected by uh, that war and um live thousands of them living camps uh, along the border so um we're kind of getting ready to start projects and um as I said, Jack's in the States right now, meeting five new team members. Um, we've, we've got, there's four of us on the ground right now, Jack and I, and Matt and Tim. Some of you might know Tim because he's from Oxford as well. And um, yeah, we've, um, we've been enjoying team life together. But in October, we've got uh, five new people joining us. So we're multiplying and um, praying that, that God kind of forms us together as a team and uses us uh, for his glory in that part of the world. So um yeah that's that's a little bit of what we're up to um we get to share we're going to share a little bit more on the 5th of July um when Jack's here as well um and also the Waddingtons uh, very kindly offered on the 20th of July to have a little gathering where we can share a bit more of our news and things so um I'm not going to talk too much about that today but for those who faces who I uh don't recognize um from the last two years that's that's who I am, and that's where, that, thats I—that's where I've been for the last two years. Well, thank you. Great. Um, uh, yeah. And on the, fi- on the fifth, we actually thought, if the uh, British weather permits, we'd like to have a picnic after. Uh, after church, so uh, if you look out the window and you think you fancy the weather and you fancy your chances, maybe you can bring along some uh, some food and we can we can enjoy a picnic together because it would just be really really nice to, to spend some time with you all. We're we're here for four months, so for obvious reasons, and um, and uh, so yeah, hopefully in that time we'll we'll get to see a lot of you. Um, but today we're looking at Luke. And Debbie said that she would read the passage for me. So, um, yeah. Oh, and also just to say, if, if if you're itching to get some of our news, um, we've got we've got some like a progress report, like a newsletter. So uh, yeah, do ask me about that. Um, but yeah. Come.
1: Um, so the passage is from Luke twenty verses one to nineteen. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it amongst themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people.
0: Thanks, Debbie. So um, this parable isn't one of the most... um, Common parables that we tend to talk about. You know, it's not like the prodigal son or, um, you know, the the good Samaritan that we probably know backwards and we've read many times. Um, But actually, it's a really rich parable. It's a really um, important parable for understanding the gospel. So um, it's really good to be um, looking at it today. Um, And there are three questions that uh, I wanted to ask the first one is is why does jesus respond with the parable here Um, because you know he's he's asked a question about authority and suddenly he's talking about vineyards and sometimes it can be kind of hard to follow the logic of um you know of the gospels or what's going on so um it's helpful to ask you know why does jesus respond in the way he responds here um secondly what's the message of this parable what 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 is it communicating and thirdly, how does Jesus' response um, answer the original question about authority? He says he's not going to answer their question. Um, he has this kind of tit-for-tat with them at the beginning, where they fire him a question and he fires a question back. Um, but actually, I think he does answer their question, um, which uh, we'll see as we, as we go along. So, first of all, why, why does Jesus respond with a parable here? Um, the, the teachers of the law ask him where his... His his um, authority comes from, and he talks about vineyards, um, which seems a bit strange. Um, but you know, parables are are like a magnifying glass. Jesus is using a parable to zoom in on an aspect of human be- of human behaviour, um, and he he wants people here to see clearly the attitude with which the questioners are asking the question. Um, it's uncomfortable sometimes to see our attitudes up close. Often, we actually have our magnifying glasses, as it were, the wrong way around. Um, you know how a magnifying glass is supposed to make things bigger, but if you turn it the wrong way around, it actually makes things look smaller. And um, if you suddenly turn it around the right way around, you see things up close, it might not actually look as pretty as you thought it did um and and often that's that's the way with our perspective we we see things the wrong way around we see our sin as a small deal we see our um attitudes as as not that much of a problem and we see God's holiness as small and we don't see the problem between the the disparity between the two because We've got our perspective skewed. And what Jesus is doing with a parable is he's flipping the magnifying glass around the right way and saying, now take a look. He does this a lot in throughout the Gospels. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you heard that it was said, but I tell you. You thought that it looked this way, but I'm changing your perspective now. And that's why it's, it's quite an uncomfortable parable. I, re, I, I think that's why we don't, um, it's not one of the, the most loved parables of the Bible because it actually sits quite uncomfortably with us. Um, in in verse sixteen, I think it is, um, the people's response is, "God forbid! What are you saying here? This is this is hard stuff." And you know, it's um, it's not just us now who have that uncomfortable response to Jesus's words. This is, this is a, a human response to God's tendency to try and flip our perspective. Um, and, and, and that human response is common across time and space. So um, one thing that, that I, I've had fun learning uh, in, in, uh, where I live uh, is the tradition amongst ladies to throw parties. What a lady will do is she'll say, okay, I need to raise some money for my daughter's wedding let's throw a party she'll get all her neighbors and her friends and her family together and they'll cook a nice big lunch and then they'll hire out a sound system and she will sit on the floor with a with a empty cooking pot in front of her not on the fire or anything just in front sits in front of her and all her friends will come up and they'll change like a 10 pound note into like one pound notes and they'll dance in front of her, and then they'll wave the, uh, the one pound note around so everyone can see, and they'll drop it nonchalantly into the pot, and then they'll bring out another one and wave it around, and they might stroke it on her forehead, and they'll drop it into the pot. It's hilarious. It is, it, it's the weirdest thing. And the first time I went to a party there, I was not expecting it, and they had a right laugh, because I turned up not, not knowing what on earth I was supposed to do. Um, and it's, it's, it's what their economy rests on. So if you want to raise a bit of money, you will throw, throw a party. And uh, my best friend um, who, who teaches me language, uh, let's call her Kay, she's a dear friend of mine. And I was talking with her one day and she said to me, oh well, you know, um, dancing's actually a sin. I said hold on a minute you go to one of these parties like every single week what do you like what do you mean par- what, what do you mean that dancing's the thing?" she's like yeah no no it's not in the sharia you know god doesn't want us to be dancing and i said well why do you do it then you know your whole like your whole economy practically relies on on dancing in this weird way and um and her answer was really revealing she basically said, well, you know, God will forgive me. That's what old age is for. We'll have more time when our children have all left the house. And then I can do all those extra fasts and all those extra pairs that will make up for my sins in my youth. It really hit me. It was really sad. And it's not just Kate that has that attitude. It's so often us. I don't happen to think that dancing's a sin. Um, um, and and but 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 that attitude is a sin. Of seeing of seeing our sins as small, of seeing God's holiness as small, and we need Jesus to turn around our perspective, flip the magnifying glass, as it were, and zoom in on things that don't look pretty. And this isn't this isn't God blowing out of proportion something that's uh, not that big a deal. You know, a magnifying glass makes things look bigger than they really are. Actually, it's Him helping us read reality properly. I, I remember my my nana always used to have. I mean, now she's got an iPad, so she can kind of zoom in on things by herself bit of a whiz. Um, but she used, to, she used to have a magnifying glass sitting next to her um, armchair. And what I could read without any help, she needed a magnifying glass to read. And God's perspective is accurate. He doesn't need a magnifying glass, but we do. We need, we need these teachings, we need these parables, no matter how uncomfortable they are, to help us read reality properly. So why does Jesus tell this parable? Because he wants people to read this scenario, this conversation he's having with the teachers of the law properly. He wants to zoom in on attitudes that otherwise we don't notice because we're too too unobservant or our perspective just isn't quite right to be able to see, see them. We think they're small when actually they really are a big deal to God. And I think that's important to remember as we read this parable what, what Jesus is trying to to do in telling it. So... What is the main message of this parable? What exactly is this parable trying to zoom in on? Well, the teachers of the law are asking about authority. And um, this parable is zooming in on their and our attitude to authority. And it's showing, this parable is showing how ugly our rejection of God's authority is and how great God's patience is with us in, in this respect it's ultimately a parable of warning. That if we don't get our perspective right, if we don't let him flip that magnifying glass round, there will be a justified judgment. There will be consequences. Because what the owner of the vineyard is asking for is something that belongs to him. He's asking for what is his already. He already owns the vineyard. God is justified in asking us to accept and respond to his authority. Um, N.T. right now I'm not, I'm not clever enough to read N.T. right, but my husband is. Um, and I get him to basically summarize it to me after he's had a little bit of a reading sesh. Um, and... Uh, um, Actually, N.T. Wright talks quite a lot about this particular parable, and about how central it is to the gospel message, and how steeped in Jewish history it is. Um, The owner planted a vineyard like God planted the Jewish nation. It was God that chose Abraham out of a people of idolaters. He took the initiative. He made promises. He made a covenant. He multiplied Abraham into a nation. He took the initiative and planted a vineyard. He planted a people. And then he sent servants. He sent prophets. He sent Moses. He sent Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Elisha and Elijah and John the Baptist. To remind his people that they need to render to him the authority of ownership that he is due. And the people mistreated them. And it was um, a shortening of your life expectancy if God asked you to become a prophet. And God still didn't give up and he kept sending his his message to his people. And eventually he sent his son. The owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I'll send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. And the son's authority. It comes from the same source as the servant's authority it comes from the owner but the son carries it in a way that is much deeper than that of the servants the servant's authority comes from the message that they bring they bring a message from the owner of the vineyard the son also brings a message but he is in himself the flesh and blood of the owner and he carries that authority of the message as well as carrying the authority of the identity of the, of the owner of the vineyard. God says, perhaps they will respect him. Well, he's right, right in one respect, in that the, the tenants recognize who is coming to them. They say, oh, look, this is the heir. They recognize that he is carrying a, a level of authority that the tenants didn't carry, the, the servants didn't carry. They recognize who he is, but their response is to try and grab the authority for themselves. And it's really ironic, because the very action that they take here to take that, to rest that authority for themselves is the very action that causes them to lose all of the benefits of the vineyard that they would otherwise have been able to enjoy. And this is what we do when we deny the authority of God in our lives. We think that we're claiming a self-directed, independent life where we can make our own decisions about whatever it is you want to make your own decisions about, career, family, um, we think, we think we're think we directing our own lives but actually that very action of trying to, to wrest the authority from the son that we want to enjoy is what will deny us the, the benefits and the privileges of having a relationship with him. We never planted the vineyard. God planted the vineyard. It was him that took the initiative. And if we reject the owner's entreaties to us, is he not right in evicting us from what we're unlawfully occupying? So what is the message of this parable? That our response to God's authority really matters. And if you have never listened to the servants... Or if you've never listened to the sun, I implore you to do so today. To take heed of these um, emissaries from the owner of the vineyard. So just to recap, why does Jesus tell this parable? Well, he's telling this parable to zoom in on the attitude of the teachers of the law to help us understand better the reality of what's going on here and um what does this parable say well it's highlighting the fact that the rejection of god's authority has serious consequences and um in verse 8 jesus says well i'm not going to tell you by what authority i'm doing these things you know you asked me a question, I asked you a question, you didn't answer mine, so I won't answer yours, basically. And I love Jesus' response. You know, he's, he, he can be really clever when asked difficult questions. And I often think, you know, when somebody asks me a question, I think, oh, I wish I'd, uh, I wish I'd had a clever response, you know. Like, you, you know, about, about an hour later, you think, oh, I should have said that. Um, and it seems like Jesus is just really good at that kind of quick, uh, quick response. Um, but actually, he's, he's not just being sneaky here. He's not just avoiding a difficult scenario. Because um, actually, in the way he answers their question, in, in, in the way he responds to their question, he does actually answer it. You might wonder how. Well, he tells a parable that's really unpopular here. In verse 16, the people's response is, God forbid... Don't! What are you saying? We don't like this. And the teachers of the law, their response is to go away and think about how they're going to arrest him. And as as we've been reading through through Luke, you know, there's lots of scenarios where Jesus says something, and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees go away and grumble, and they don't like it. But this is the first time that they actually decide to take a course of action. That's how, that's how uncomfortable they found God flipping the magnifying glass around on them. That, they, that, they, that this was the last straw, right? We've got to do something about this. And yet Jesus doesn't feel, seem fazed by that. The son in this parable knows that his father has sent three servants before him and that every single servant has been beaten up and thrown out of the vineyard without being able to bring back the very thing he was sent to To bring back. You know, I don't think the son is ignorant of what he's being sent to do. And neither is Jesus ignorant of the response that he's going to get from this parable. But he doesn't seem fazed by it. He goes in anyway. He says the unpopular thing anyway. And why is that? Because his authority doesn't come from them. His authority doesn't come from the response that people give him. His legitimacy isn't based on what others say. It's based on the owner of the vineyard. It's based on the one who sent him. He's based, it's based on whose, whose son he is. So when the, the Pharisees ask him, where does your authority come from? He, he answers it in the, in the very attitude with which he answers the question. He cares about delivering the message he has to the tenants faithfully, irrespective of how they treat him. And what's really interesting about this passage is the way that contrasts with the Pharisees, with the teachers of the law, and their response when Jesus asks them a question about authority. And he's not even directly challenging them. He's asking them, where do you you think John the Baptist's authority comes from? And their response is what? Oh, I don't think I can say that because he'll think this, and I, I can't say that because the people will get angry. And their response isn't to think, okay, he's asked me a question, what's the truth? Their response is to think about how other people will perceive them as a result of their answer. It's pretty ironic. That those that come to Jesus to challenge his authority end up getting challenged themselves. They are chronic people pleasers. And the reason they're so worried about their response is because their authority comes from the people. Their authority doesn't come from heaven. It doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from the one who sent them. It doesn't come from the message that they bring. It comes from what other people think about them and how they're perceived by others. And Jesus here, you know, they're coming with this question, you know, where does your authority come from? And they think they're putting the the spotlight on him. And he flips the magnifying glass around and says, no, I'm going to put the spotlight on you here. Where does your authority come from? And that's why they're so mad at him. That's why they go away and try and plot to, to arrest him. Because it says they know that he spoke this parable against them. So how does Jesus answer their question? He says he's not going to, but he answers it by just not caring about how they respond, about whether this is an unpopular message or not. And this is a real challenge for us, because I know that living in a or well, living in a Muslim part of the world, people ask you tricky questions and. Often my response is Can't say that Because you know (laughs) Um, And there's You know there's a sense in which it's important For us to be thinking about How to answer questions in a way That people can relate to us And in a way that we um, We draw them into Jesus Rather than you know putting them off But uh, where does our authority Come from It comes from the owner of the vineyard, the, the one who sent us with a message. And if we start worrying too much about how people are going to respond, then we're switching roles in the parable. We want to be sent out like servants. We don't want to be like the tenants. So these uh, three questions and what we've learned from them, I'd love to use it as an opportunity for us to ask ourselves A few questions this coming week. Why does Jesus tell this parable? Because he wants to zoom in on attitudes that help us, um, attitudes that are wrong, and he wants to help us read reality with the right perspective. So when Jesus challenges your perspective, what is your response? Are you tempted to flip the magnifying glass back the other way around? Because it's a lot more comfortable to look at things that way. Or are you going to let him take a really good close look? What is the message of this parable? That our response to Christ's authority really matters and has consequences. Well, have you recognized God's authority in your life? Are you continuing to recognize God's authority in your life? Because it's not just a one-off um event and how did jesus answer their question by not not caring about their responses but rather caring about his father's message and maybe we need to ask ourselves this week where where does my authority come from am i acting like a servant or am i acting like a tenant so maybe this week we can be thinking about those questions and asking god to speak to us and challenging us in in those ways.